0: All right. Good evening, friends. Good to see you. Those of you who are here and those of you who are online tuning in with us tonight, we are concluding a three-week series that we've been doing here on Sunday nights with the New Life Downtown congregation, New Life Downtown team called Kingdom People. And in this series, we've been looking at three sort of major questions that are important for us as Christians, important questions for us as the people of God. The first week, we tackled the question of who is Jesus and talked about what it means for Jesus to be the sovereign and saving son of God and how we respond as people to that realization, to that announcement about who Jesus is. And then last week, Pastor Glenn shared with us a brilliant sermon on what is salvation. How do we actually understand what salvation is? And he shared with us that really the essence of salvation is the truth that God is at work within his world to rescue, to redeem, and to renew all things. And tonight we conclude with the question, why Church. Why church? What is this whole thing? All about and Pastor Glenn was actually supposed to preach this message tonight, uh, but just in the last couple of days or so, Pastor Glenn has uh, found out that you may have noticed that he's been raspy over the last couple of weeks. Uh, he actually has a polyp on his vocal cords, uh, so it's basically like an open blister uh, inside of his throat on his vocal cords, and in an attempt to try to avoid having to have surgery, uh, Glenn is going. On On a two weeks of extreme silence to give time for his vocal cords to heal, and then a couple of weeks of just sort of some limited activity to hopefully avoid having to have surgery on his vocal cords. And so tonight, we want to take a moment before we dive in and pray for our pastor. Pray for our friends. Uh, And Glenn, if you're watching, we love you, we miss you, uh, and we're praying for you. So would you join me tonight as we pray for him and, and ask God also in this moment to speak to us. Father, we thank you for our pastor. Thank you for Pastor Glenn. Thank you for what his voice means to us, what his voice means in our lives, in the ways in which you have spoken through him to shape us individually and communally. And we pray that you would heal him, that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would heal his voice, that you would restore him in every way. And during this time, while he's waiting and trusting you for healing, would you strengthen him for this journey of stewarding his body well, of taking the time to be still and to be silent and to rest. Would you strengthen him for that journey And would you meet him in that time? And for us that are gathered here, would you speak to us? Speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Well, since Pastor Glenn was supposed to be preaching tonight, I'm actually gonna be preaching his notes. Uh, minus all the stories about my childhood in Malaysia. Uh, We're not going to hear any of those, no conversations about me going to London, Uh, none of those like really fun and exciting stories. Instead, we'll get my Iowa farm boy stories mixed in there instead. Uh, When we start thinking about church and why church... I can't help but just sort of thinking about some of my initial experiences in church. As many of you know, I came to Christ at the end of my sophomore year in high school, and it was about a year later that I actually got involved, really for the first time in my life, in a a serious and uh, and consistent way in church. As a couple of buddies of mine who uh, had a brief moment of fame uh, in the Christian punk rock scene uh, were the worship band at this church a couple towns away from where I grew up. And so at the end of my junior year in high school, I started going to Agape Christian Family Church in Clear Lake, Iowa. And since that time, which would have been sometime in 1996, there's rarely been a time where I have not been gathered together with the people of God on a, for a weekly worship service. There's rarely been a time where I have not been in moments and in situations like we're in right now. And that's not just because I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for the vast majority of that time, which is sort of a great accountability system for showing up at church, right? There's sort of an expectation that goes along with the job. But it's not actually the sole reason why church is such an important part of my life. See, church has been the place where I've been discipled. And it's the people who I've been discipled by. It's the church, is the place and the people who taught me to worship. Who taught me what it means to sing and to pray. It was at church that I learned to lean on other people when I couldn't sing and I didn't know how to pray and needed someone else's voice and someone else's prayers to carry me through some really difficult times in life. It's been at church that I learned to read the scriptures and learned what it means to have my life embedded in the story of Jesus and to live out of that story, to see his story as the most significant thing that's ever happened in the world and that's ever happened in my life. It's at church that I learned to mark time in the Christian calendar by the story of Jesus. It's a church that I learned to see the world what theologians and scholars call sacramentally. In other words, learning to see how the ordinary things of life can be charged with the very presence of God, how God can be at work in very ordinary, very mundane things. It's a church that I was welcomed and baptized into God's family. It's a church that I'm weakly fed and sustained at the table. It's at church that I get to rub shoulders with the saints and at church where I've met my dearest friends. It's a church where I've had opportunities to serve and to lead and to see how stepping into those places actually have been the most transformative things that have ever happened in my life. And there have been times in my season at church and my season in life as a pastor where it's been really, really exciting, where it's like every time you gather together, the presence of God just seems palpable and everyone's rushing in the doors and the place is packed and everyone's excited. And there's just this sense like, ah, this is it. Finally, we have church figured out. Nobody for 2000 years has figured out what we have. There's these moments where it just seems so exciting, but more often than not, it's been rather repetitious and at times quite boring. (laughs) Can I say that as a pastor? Like, are you allowed to say those things? There's been times that church has been really, really, really easy, where it just seems like a breath of fresh air every time you walk in the building. And there's been other times that church has been filled with disappointment and with pain. We've seen leaders fall and break and lose all trust with congregations. I've been a part of churches that split into multiple congregations and not as a church planting strategy, but as an inability to live together in unity anymore. I've been a part of churches where I've had dear friends leave. And at times I've been a part of the reason that they've left. And now we find ourselves here five months in to trying to figure out how do we gather together as the people of God in person and online in the midst of a global pandemic, which there's no class for in seminary. There's no sort of like, oh, this is what you do when things like this happen in the world. See, at times when we think about church, all we can see is division and argument. All the things that are sort of this person against this person and this church against this church and this group and this denomination against this one and the infighting, the arguments that happen in person and online and particularly in social media. Where we find just the church going at these internal fights. At other times, when people think about church, they just experience religion and guilt and shame. And there's something about the church experience that just screams negative emotions. At times, for some people, it's been experiencing severe and significant abuse inside of the church. And having all of those emotions and pain and hurt that comes along with that. And there are times where the church is just frankly kind of inconvenient. Where it's like, yeah, but there's this opportunity to go here or I I would rather do this or, hey, I can actually take off now here in Colorado. The temptation of the mountains is always calling to us. It's like, ah, yeah. And now with the onset of all the technology we have, we can just sort of choose the church experience that we want. We can have church our way right away whenever we want it. We can sort of select the playlist that we want on Spotify and then pull up the sermon that we wanna listen to and engage in sort of a Christian practice wherever we want and whatever we want to all by ourselves or with just the people that we've chosen to be there. So why do we even need church? Why bother? Why Why is this? Why do we keep doing this? Why do we insist on either gathering together in person or gathering together at the same time online why do we insist on that but before we can answer the question why i think we actually have to answer the question what what we believe about church actually determines if and how we engage in it what we believe the church is in large part determines if and how we engage with the church in our lives so we're going to start with what is the church we were to say, answer this question: What is the church? I'm going to give three pictures here from the New Testament, the way they talk about church. The first one is this: is the church is a kingdom community. The church is a kingdom community, as Pastor Evan said when we set off this sermon. We said that the kingdom, the kingdom of God, is about God's people living in God's place under God's power or under his rule and in God's presence. Then when we talk about the kingdom, this is what we're talking about. So the church is actually the community of people on earth who are learning to live under God's power and in his presence, it's the community of people on earth who are saying, what does it look like? How do we actually live as if God is on the throne, as if God is reigning and his presence is near us? How do we actually live our life together as members, as people in God's kingdom? How do we do that? First Peter says this, it says, the, the, describing the church as a kingdom community. He's quoting here from Exodus chapter 19 and from Hosea 2. And Peter says this. He says, but you, the church, you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, a people who are God's own possession. And you become this people so that you may speak of the wonderful acts of the one who called you out of darkness and into his amazing lights. Once you were not a people, but now you're God's people. Once you hadn't received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The church is a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a kingdom people a kingdom community, those who have tasted God's salvation, those who have been rescued and redeemed and who are being renewed by the Spirit, who are being formed together in such a peculiar way that they get sent back out into the world to bear witness in word and deed that Jesus is King, to put on display what life looks like with Jesus at the helm of it all. You could say it with this way, that the church is the people who live together like Jesus is king, who live together like Jesus is king, who live now like we will live then, who know Jesus is returning and someday everything will be made right and good and perfect and true again. And our task as the people of God filled by the Spirit is to live now like it is going to be then. To sort of give a foretaste to the world of what it looks like when Christ is King. So we live with a different politic. We live according to a different way. We follow a particular king and we live our life according to his ways. We live, as one scholar described it, as an alternate or contrast society. As people who are living in this world, but in a very, very distinct way. Jesus in the book of Matthew says that the church is a city on a hill, giving light to all those Around it. See, the church is a kingdom community, and our task is to show the world what things look like when Jesus is king. This is our mission to show the world what it looks like when Jesus is king. That's why, throughout the history of the church, and at our very best, the church gives itself to things like feeding the hungry. Building homes for those that don't have them, building hospitals to care for those that no one else will care for. The church at its very best advocates for the oppressed, rescues victims, provides refuge for the vulnerable, becomes a place and a people where others can find freedom and healing, all while preaching the gospel that Jesus is King. Teaching people to live in that way, supporting people who are married, supporting people who are parents, supporting people who are single, grieving with people who have lost loved ones in their lives, teaching kids and encouraging teenagers and honoring elders and caring for one another and doing all of this collectively in our life together and encouraging each other as we do that individually. That's what the church is at its best. Here at New Life Downtown, it looks like people like Melissa Tempest. Some of you know Melissa, she does a lot of graphic design work and those things, but Melissa gives her heart and soul and her passion to something called Royal Family Kids Camp. And some of you volunteer in that, give a week of your summer to go and care for kids in the foster care system. And Melissa writes the curriculum for those camps all over the country and gives her heart and passion into this individually. And we collectively support and encourage her in that journey. It looks like maybe some of you saw the article a couple weeks ago about Larry Yonker and the work of Springs Rescue Mission here in the church. Larry is a member of our church, a member of our congregation. And so many of the people who are here work for SRM or other similar ministries, giving their life to care for those who find themselves on the backside of where they maybe wanted to be or dreamed to be in his kids and coming alongside and caring for them. Or maybe it's those of you who are involved with Young Life or who are volunteering in some capacity to mentor kids in our local school systems. Or those of you who are giving your lives as teachers and administrators and trying to figure out how do you care for the community's kids in the midst of a pandemic. We are praying for all of you as you're thinking through and and walking through a time that you never expected when you said yes to giving your lives to education. We love you and we're praying for you. It looks like Stephen Todd, one of our wisdom council members, going and giving his life to training church planters in Africa It looks like Alpha and Celebrate Recovery in Mary's home. It looks like Dan and Don O'Brien, who I see over here, giving their lives and their free time to helping rescuing people who've been caught in human trafficking and saying, we're going to give our lives to these things. Why? Because when Jesus is king, this is what life looks like. It looks like people being fed and people being housed and people being set free and people being taken care of and people hearing the good news and people finding freedom from addiction and marriages being put back together and parents and children being reconciled to one another and the church collectively and individually saying, we're giving our lives to that. See, the church is the place, yeah, that's worth the clapping for. Church is the place where evangelism and discipleship and justice and mercy all belong together they all come together because they're all part of our kingdom mission in the world they're all part of our way that we say this is what it looks like when jesus is king the second image of the new testament gives us is that the church is god's family the church is god's family a very strange very odd family but a family nonetheless paul puts it this way in ephesians 2 he says christ is our peace And he made both Jews and Gentiles into one group. And with his body, he broke down the barrier of hatred that divided us. And he canceled the detailed rules of the law so that he could create one new person out of the two groups, making peace. And he reconciled them both as one body to God by the cross, which ended the hostility to God. And when he came, he announced the good news of peace to you who were far away from God and to those who were near. And we both now have access to the Father through Christ by the one Spirit. He goes on, he says this, so now you are no longer strangers and aliens, rather you're fellow citizens with God's people and you belong to God's household. And as God's household, as God's family, you're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. So what the church is, is the recognition that if Jesus is the sovereign and saving son of God, and if his work of salvation is God rescuing and redeeming and renewing all things, then the church is the first sign of that. It's the first instance of that. And our unity as God's one family is a sign of what it looks like for God to put things back together, what it looks like for Him to rescue and redeem and renew and reconcile all things to himself. The church becomes a signpost for that. See, people ought to look at the church and say, what are all those people doing together? (laughs) How is it that that group got together? Because I would never have put that that person with that person and with that person. That sounds like it's going to be a problem. (laughs) So how is it that all of them consider one another family? See, the church is the place or people who otherwise wouldn't belong together are brought together in Christ. See, if it weren't for Jesus, we would not be a part of this strange family together. But because of Jesus, we are now all brothers and sisters in Christ. In the first century, we see all throughout the New Testament that that looked like God bringing together the rich and the poor. It looked like God bringing together male and female. And look like God bringing together Jew and Gentile. In our world, it looks like God bringing all those groups together as well as white and black and brown. And married and single. And Democrats and Republicans. And Broncos fans and Patriots fans. Coming to the same table together. Saying, these people have no reason to be together. Why are they together? And then collectively as God's family we say, it's because of Jesus. Jesus that all the things that normally divide us and separate us have been brought down. And Jesus has been lifted up and we've been brought together because of him. This is what Jesus does. Which leads to a question that I think just needs to be addressed in the middle of this is that sometimes when we're talking about church, we feel confused about whether or not we're talking about the church as a place or we're talking about church as people right? Is church a building that we're in? Is it a place? Or is it the people who are inside of it? And everybody can start doing that little, you know, the church steeple people thing. I don't remember how to do it. I always get confused at some point in that little kid's game. Which one is it? I think it's actually a false dichotomy. I think it's both. The church is both people and a place. Just in the same way that, our family has a home. And that home is very much a place where our family gathers together and is held together and lives together and does life together. Buildings, spaces, places become opportunities for family life to happen. And family life is really difficult when there is no place for the family to be. That the place is actually an integral part of what it means to be family. This is one of the reasons why this season has been so hard is that we find that some are able to gather together here in this place, but this isn't the normal place that New Life Downtown gathers. It's not the normal time that we gather. Things are different. It feels like we're gathering together at times in someone else's home and we're so grateful grateful to have chairs that don't squeak and air conditioning that runs in the summer and so many other things grateful to have an opportunity in a place that we can gather and yet there are so many others that are not able to gather during this time and we feel that we feel that loss it's like oh but the family's not all here part of the family's here it's sort of like having the family reunion and half the family wasn't able to come And you're glad to be at the place, but you're also missing the people. And we're living in that place because we recognize that it's actually both. It's people who are gathered together in the place, who live their life according to a rhythm of gathering together and then being sent back out and then gathering back together and then being sent back out into mission in the world. So the church is God's family. The third picture And the final picture that the New Testament gives us is the church is God's temple. The church is God's temple. Ephesians 2 says this, the whole building is joined together in him. And it grows up into a temple that is dedicated to the Lord. Christ is building you, people, into a place where God lives through his spirit in the ancient world, for the ancient Jews, the temple was the very center of their life together. It was a place of pilgrimage, place of worship, a place of parties. It was the very center of the universe. It was the place that they believed that heaven and earth actually overlapped, where God's presence was near on earth as it is in heaven. And Paul, in this letter to the Ephesians, makes this audacious claim that this place, has been replaced by a people. That the church itself is the new temple. That the spirit lives in the church as Christ is building us up together. That through the spirit, God actually takes up residence in this community of reconciled people. That in this family that's been brought together in Christ, God actually makes his home with us. Heaven and earth no longer meet solely in the walls of a building, but in the life of a community, in the life of this people. So not only does the Spirit fill us individually, but the Spirit actually fills us collectively. The Spirit is not only present in each person, but he's particularly present in the church as a community as a kingdom community, as a family. This isn't a private temple, but a very public family and community. And something special actually happens when we gather together. Sometimes we don't always perceive it. Sometimes we don't feel it. Sometimes we don't know it. But Paul says that when the people of God are gathered together, God meets us in a particular way. Listen to what he says in Ephesians 5. He says, don't get drunk on wine, which produces depravity. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit in the following ways. In other words, the sense here is be filled and be continually filled, ongoing being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he says, well, this is what that looks like. Here's how we sort of open ourselves up to being continually filled by the Holy Spirit who's taken up residence with us. And he says, speak to each other with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Speak to each other. Sing and make music to the Lord in your hearts. Always give thanks to the God, to God the Father of everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and submit to each other out of respect for Christ. He gives us four things. Speak the word of God to one another. This is what we do when we gather together. We speak the word of God through our preaching, through our prayers, through our music. We preach the word of God to one another. And then he says, sing. Sing and make music. We gather together and we sing. Out our worship to God. He says to give thanks when we come to the table. We receive Eucharist. The word Eucharist means thanksgiving. We come to the table to give thanks for the finished work of Jesus and the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And he says to submit to one another, to have fellowship with one another, to prefer one another to care for one another. He goes on and he lists what this looks like in several different kinds of relationships. But when we're preaching, when we're singing, when we're coming to the table, when we're engaging in relationship with one another, even at socially distanced spaces and with masks on, the Spirit is at work in our midst, filling us up with his very presence. So the church is the place that we actually encounter the presence of God in a particular way. We're a kingdom community, a family, and a temple, where God's spirit comes and meets us. So why church? Why church? Why church? It's because of all of these things. We gather together as the church to be filled by the spirit of God to be formed together as a family, and to be sent back into the world as a signpost for God's arriving kingdom. This is the reason behind church. It's because we are a kingdom community. We are a family. We are a temple. And when we understand that that is actually what the church is, then we know why it's so important to prioritize it in our lives. Whether that is prioritizing being here on Sunday nights or whether that's prioritizing being online on Sunday nights so you can join us virtually during this time, why it's important to engage with each other. See, it's during this time when it gets really, really hard to continue to gather together that it's so important that we remind ourselves, why do we do this? Because there's, been, there's times that we might just be saying like, it's just really not convenient. It's really just more comfortable to you know, stay at home and, and, and watch things where we can now. I know there's some people that have to stay at home right now and we honor and we respect that and we love you and we're praying for you and we miss you. We recognize the need to be safe during the season. But there are times when we just say, ah, you know, I don't wanna get online at at five o'clock. I'll just do it later some other time when it's more convenient in my schedule. There's times where it's just hard. Truth is every community is. Every community has challenges to it. Every community has inconvenience to it. It's part of what it means to be in life together is to say we're going to press past all those things together in whatever way that we can. You may be saying, well, yeah, that, that's all fine, but it's just so ordinary. <laughs> like, how can that be true? How can it be that the church is a kingdom community or a family or a temple? It just seems not those things sometimes. It feels kind of ordinary or kind of boring. One of the fascinating things that happens in the New Testament is that the church gets called the body of Christ. It's one of the descriptions that the church is given. The other thing in the scriptures that's called the body of Christ is a piece of bread. Is there anything more ordinary, <laughs> anything more boring than a piece of bread? But the church gets called the body of Christ and so does the piece of bread that Jesus holds in his hand. If you remember on the night that when Jesus gave himself up for us, he took bread. And he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to us. And he said, this is my body. See, as Pastor Glenn reminds us so often, in the hands of Jesus, bread becomes more than bread. Normal becomes sacramental. Ordinary becomes infused with God's grace and God's presence, the same thing is true for church. That what seems to be ordinary, what seems to be maybe repetitious, what seems to be maybe kind of like, what are we doing? In Jesus' hands, becomes filled with this presence, becomes filled with this grace, becomes the very thing which Jesus uses to advance his kingdom mission in the world. Something ordinary becomes something sacramental becomes infused with God's grace. And this is where God meets us. It's gathered together here, gathered together online and at the table. So I'm gonna invite Pastor Evan, Pastor Brian and the worship team to come back out. We're gonna to come to the table again as a reminder of how God takes ordinary things like bread and ordinary things like the church and ordinary things like our lives fills them with his presence and with his grace and makes something ordinary, something beautiful and wonderful and mysterious. And as they come, if you want to grab your communion cups and begin the five-minute process of trying to get those open, uh, you can go ahead and do that as Pastor Evan and Brian come.